Green Bay Packers defensive lineman Mike Pinnell has been suspended by the NFL. So what's going to happen to him? We'll ask Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're talking about a suspension to a Green Bay Packers player today and a whole lot more. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone today. Expert interview. We have Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us as he does every Wednesday on the show. Nathan, how are you doing today? Good morning, Brian. I'm doing well. How about you? Very good. Thanks for joining us. Um, Let's talk about the big news on Tuesday, which was the suspension of defensive lineman Mike Pinnell for the final four games of the regular season. Nathan, what will the Packers be missing without Pinnell? Uh, They'll miss his contribution against the run in the base defense. Uh, Over the course of the season, he has two tackles for losses, a couple more for short games, and then he's been of disruptive other plays, especially sometimes where the offense tries to double team him. He's been able to hold his own against the double team. So also rarely has had a negative play against the run. Um, as a pass rusher, hasn't done a ton this season, just a hit and a batted pass. But uh, he's outplayed Kenny Clark to this point. But against the run, he hasn't been nearly as good as the Packers' other starting defensive linemen. So uh, while they'll miss him, that might mean a chance for someone like uh, Ringo to get back involved in those uh, defense a little bit, and he was looking good against the run, too. So um, don't miss him a little bit, but the Packers also have other players who should be able to step up. Well, that leads me right into my next question here. While Pinnell may be gone, another defensive lineman who stepped up this past Sunday, and not one I think we've discussed all season, Dean Lowry. What do you make of Lowry's performance on Sunday and what he provided up to this point? Uh, sure. Uh, against Houston, he saw a season-high 18 snaps, and in that time he had a sack, two hurries, a batted pass, and of those 18 snaps, only eight of them were passing plays, so uh, he was able to basically be disruptive on half of his snaps, which is excellent. Um, up to this season, uh, he only saw at most 11 snaps in the game, and that was early in the year. Um, since week six, he was seeing at most five snaps in the game, so really didn't have the opportunity to show much, had two pressures and two stops over all that time. So I think uh, as a pass rusher, he definitely earns more playing time in pass rushing situations. Yeah, good to see from the rookie out of Northwestern. Hopefully he just continues on that upward trend here. Uh, Nathan, I'm worried about Nick Perry uh, also on the defensive front here, playing with a club cast. How important has Perry been uh, to the Packers' run defense this season? Uh, he's been very important to the Packers' run defense. Uh, he has 24 run stops on the year, which is huge. Uh, the most for a 3-4 outside linebacker. 
Our next closest turn is Von Miller at 22, and it took Miller 80 more snaps against the run to get there. Wow. I'm looking at a per-play basis. Uh, Perry is also the best for three, four outside linebackers. Uh, next closest to Davion Clowney, Khalil Max, though. Against the run, he's in great company there. Highest graded three, four outside linebackers. So I would say he's been extremely important to the Packers' run defense this season. Wow, that those stats kind of blow me away compared to those big names he's being compared to. So that's really good to hear uh, out of Nick Perry. I, I hope he's okay so he can continue playing uh, without maybe restriction with that club cast. But uh, speaking of linebackers, though, uh, Nathan, I, I felt Clay Matthews was almost invisible on Sunday. Can you break down for me, first of all, where he lined up? And, and was there anything he did well in any phase of the game against the Texans? Uh, sure. First off, he mostly played outside linebacker, his typical wall there, uh, where he saw 23 of his 29 snaps. Uh, he did play a little bit inside linebacker, basically just when uh, Jake Ryan went down late in the first quarter, but then Ryan was back late in the second quarter. So I think it was mostly Ryan's injury that led to some time at inside linebacker. And I agree he was mostly invisible for this game, uh, had no tackles throughout the game, uh, no missed tackles either. So I really didn't have any opportunities to make any tackles. Uh, he did have two hurries in the, as a pass rusher. But over the course of this season, we've really seen him get a lot of his pressures, um, either on stunts where it's the Packers designed to confuse the offense. So it's not him physically beating an offensive player, but just him, um, the Packers scheming to get him pressure. And then other plays where his pressure has come very late in plays where it's not that impressive it was just the quarterback holding on to the ball for a while and the two pressures he had in this game that's how they both came from so not really an impressive pass rushing game out of him even though he had two hurries and then the only other notable play that we had for him is just one where the offense successfully blocked him on a run play so um, I know he has a reputation for being one of the better defenders in the league but uh, he peaked four years ago and right now he's trending in the wrong direction yeah, I don't know what to make of Clay Matthews. I mean, he's had the hamstring, he's had the shoulder. Maybe if we could ever see him at 100%, see what his real value is. But uh, I don't know. Uh, we can never see him at 100%, so it's hard to say. But with with Perry and Matthews limited, Nathan, Julius Peppers had to play a lot of snaps uh, this past Sunday, which is notable given his age. Can you describe how Peppers has done this year compared to previous seasons in his career? Sure. Uh, first off, Peppers is having a great year this year. Against the run, he's graded the highest tees we've had him at since 2010, which is the year the Bears made the NFC Championship game. Um, that's probably at least partially because uh, he's been playing in more of the nickel and dime situations where it might be a little easier for him to play against the run, a little bit different responsibilities. But even this past game when he was playing the majority of snaps, he graded well had to run stuff, so he's been playing uh, definitely a lot better than he was last year for the Packers in run defense. And then as a pass rusher, um, again, he's on a per-play basis looking probably as good as he ever has in his career, but that's also partially he's been playing in clear pass rushing situations where he doesn't have to worry about the run. So had he been full-time the entire year, his pass rushing numbers on a per-play basis might not look as good, but still. Uh, very good considering the situations he's been in. So uh, especially if you take into account just how long he's been in the NFL, I looked at him compared to other pass rushers in their 15th 
season. And since 2006, the only ones that have looked better are uh, Michael Strahan in his last year with the Giants, and then James Harrison is having a very good year with the Steelers this year, too. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know what Julius Peppers' future with the Packers is going to be, but I'd say they're at least getting their money's worth out of him this year. We're talking to Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Nathan, switching to the offensive side, uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about Jordy Nelson after his big game, but I think perhaps even more impressive is how he's done compared to his peers across the league in recent weeks. Can you go into more detail about that? Sure. Uh, he's had 90 or more receiving yards in five of his last six games. I have the touchdown in five of his last six, so I'll go back to week eight, which is when those two streaks started. And since week eight, I'd say he's the only receiver that's been better than him is the Buccaneers, Mike Evans. Um, in that time, he has the second most catches for wide receivers, the most receiving yards, second most touchdowns, which, um, as I mentioned with Devontae Adams last week, uh, those totals are slightly inflated just because of how pass-happy the Packers' offense has been. So he's had more opportunities than the rest of the receivers. But outside of Evans, who's been the best wide receiver for us this entire season, uh, not many receivers are even close to those numbers. So Nelson definitely playing very well over these past few weeks. Yeah, good for Jordy Nelson. Um, I saw that Lane Taylor graded out as having his best game of the season by Pro Football Focus. For, for someone we don't talk about very often, I think it's worth making mention of his performance. Can you do that? Uh, sure. He was very involved in the run game against the Texans. Just a lot of plays where um, he wasn't overly dominant, but he just did his job and was able to successfully block the man he was supposed to be blocking. So um, while he wasn't perfect, a few plays where he had negative grades too because the defender got the best of him. Definitely a lot more good than bad in this game, um, in the run game. Uh, he did allow a couple pressures, but those were all late in plays where Part of it's also Rodgers holding onto the ball for a while. So um, while they were pressures he allowed and some were negatively graded, none of them were too overly negatively graded, and the Packers had a lot of pass plays. So graded out fine as a pass protector as well. So um, on the season, he's probably the weakest point on the offensive line when everyone's healthy or even when Fred has been out. But as a weak link, he's been playing slightly above average football, and very few teams have a weak link is good as Taylor. So um, it's a little bit of a weird situation since Josh Sitton remains one of the best guards in football with the Bears, but Lane Taylor definitely has played well enough this season that he deserves to be one of the starting guards in the NFL. Yeah, good for Lane Taylor. Finally here, Nathan, before we let you go, uh, this upcoming Sunday, the Packers take on the Seahawks. Who do we have to watch out for on the Seahawks roster? Sure. First off, the Seahawks offense, obviously the big names, Russell Wilson. Uh, he hasn't been playing quite as good as he has in past seasons, but he's still one of the better quarterbacks in football. Uh, Doug Baldwin, Jimmy Graham have been their biggest receiving threats, so the Packers inside of the defense will really be tested. Other uh, running back, Thomas Rawls, is coming off of his best game of the season, so um, he's looking to do good, and then uh, the Seahawks' offensive line, though, is one of the worst you'll see in football. So guys like Mike Daniels and Julius Peppers really have a chance to make a big impact in this game. Uh, then switching over to the Seahawks on defense, I could basically list every defender the Seahawks have. <laughs> but I, the 
run defense is very good. I could see this being one of the games where the Packers pass 80% of the time and they won't be able to get much of a run against that front seven plus Cam Chancellor. But uh, while their sack numbers have been good, they haven't had a consistent pass rush as much as past years, so Rodgers should have time to throw the ball. Um, the biggest weakness in the secondary is probably slot cornerback Jeremy Lane. So um, either Randall Cobb or Jordy Nelson playing in this spot should be able to put up some decent numbers. But it's a little like the Lane Taylor situation where even though it's their biggest weakness, he's still a decent football player. So definitely going to be a tough test when the Packers are on offense. Should be a fun game on Sunday. Nathan, thank you so much for uh, looking into all these stats for us. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, we'll break down this Seattle game next week. No problem. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us as he does every Wednesday during the season on this show. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on. Packers news of the day. All right. The big news on Tuesday was the suspension of Packers defensive lineman Mike Pinnell, which was first reported by the NFL Network and later confirmed by the league. Pinnell will miss the final four games of the regular season, but he will be available for the playoffs if the Packers do make it. So it ends with four games and ends there. Uh, now, other than the mere confirmation of Pinnell's suspension, no one is speaking out on this topic. So I do have to make a few assumptions here, but it would appear as if Pinnell was at least somewhat successful in his lawsuit filed against the NFL and the Players Association because most players who have a second violation of the substance abuse policy are typically suspended 6 to 10 games. So, I mean, think about that for a second. If Pinnell was suspended for 10 games, that would be more than double what he's getting right now. So Pinnell got a reduced deal here. And of course, you know, he had his first suspension the first four games of the season. Actually, was handed down by the Packers during the offseason. He got to play in the preseason. They always do. Then the start of the regular season, he missed the first four games. Now, the question here is, how do the Packers replace him? And the good news is that they're probably in good shape to do so. We already mentioned Dean Lowry in our interview with Nathan Yonke. Um, so I, I think we kind of covered that ground there. But you also have to look at the fact that first-round draft pick Kenny Clark played in a mere seven snaps on defense this past week against the Texans, and he could stand a bigger workload. So the Packers have that option available to them. And, you know, Clark is more than capable. They, they've kind, he kind of had a reduced workload because they've been playing Pinnell. Uh, they gave Gene Lowry a bigger role this past Sunday. Um, and, and, you know, Mike Daniels and Latroy Guyon take the majority of the snaps. So, you know, they, they really kind of thought Kenny Clark, you know, didn't need to play all that much. But he has played, you know, bigger snap counts throughout the season at certain points. You know, sometimes he's played relatively minor roles, but there's been other games where his workload has increased as well. And so I think he's ready for, for more here. Um, you know, and he, he's healthy, which is good. 
So I think we'll see more from the first-round draft pick here down the stretch and and really could use a good performance out of him. And we'll, we'll really see how much development he's made from the beginning to the season to the end because the Packers, they need a first-round performance out of him. We, we need to see why they invested the first-round draft pick into him. Now, you kind of always give you know, first round draft picks, the the benefit, all rookies, the benefit of the doubt the first year, even if they're first round draft picks, just because, you know, they're new to the NFL. Clark has kind of had to learn to play a new role this year. It's not exactly the same as what he's done at UCLA. So you kind of understand that. But, you, you know, for a defense that's, you know, basically been, you know, it seems that, you know, the past five, six years, they've been investing their first-round draft pick into the defensive side of the football nearly every year. And a lot of these guys have not been living up to that reputation, and they really start need to do so uh, for this team to come back and start being, you know, playoff caliber and Super Bowl worthy. Um, so, but aside from Kenny Clark, though, they, the Packers also have Christian Ringo in reserve who's frequently been on the game day inactive list ever since Pinnell came back from his first suspension. So he, we might see him active on game days again. No no guarantee there, but if they need the depth, they have that available to them. Uh, so we'll see what Christian Ringo provides. But you know what? Another discussion here, just beyond how they replace Pinnell, however, you also have to look at his somewhat disappointing performance this season. And, and Nathan Yankee kind of painted a decent picture for him, um, you, you know, at, at least against the run. Um, you know, he actually had a nice tackle for a loss this past Sunday against the Texans. Um, but that might be the biggest play he's made all year. Uh, he's really only made a handful of tackles this season with no sacks. And I personally wonder if he's now a replacement level kind of player. Um, you know, you, you know I, I just don't know what Mike Pinnell's future is with the organization here. You know, being a restricted free agent this offseason and, and by virtue of now having two suspensions from the NFL, uh, a, a, you can look at it for, through this lens. He'll at least probably cost the Packers the minimum deal in the offseason. They're probably not going to have to pay him a whole lot. Um, but, I, I mean, no, even you know, very few restricted free agents, you do have to pay a lot for them. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, I imagine, you know, he's going to come back next year, you know, considering at the end of this year the suspension is going to be done. You know, there's kind of that looming, if there's ever a third suspension, now it's like for an entire season or or more than that. You know, now it starts becoming very prohibitive now. Um, so that, that, that that's kind of a, a negative point against Mike Pinnell. But I imagine he'll be back at least during the offseason. The Packers will keep him around because, he, you know, he's... He's still relatively young. He knows the defense. He knows what he's doing. He could step right in if need be. Uh, and, and, you know, they don't have to, you know, get somebody up to speed or something like that. So I, I think, but, you know, whether he sticks around the 2017 regular season is going to be dependent upon how he does in in the off-season program, during training camp, during the preseason, 
they really need to see a step up from Mike Pinnell to be more than just, you know, what he's been this year, right? I really thought as of late last year in 2015 that he was really coming on and could be even better, uh, but haven't seen it this year. And there's been reasons why, obviously, he missed time at the beginning of the year. And, and maybe if he didn't miss those first four games, we'd be, you know, talking a little bit differently right now. His statistics, I'm sure, would certainly look a little bit better with four games worth uh, uh, to, to bolster that. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, Mike Pinnell going to miss the final four games of the regular season, and the Packers going to have to make do without him. A- at least at this point, we're talking about a guy who's, you know, kind of, uh, you know, a backup on the defensive line. Um, so not really a huge you know, replacement that the Packers are going to have to worry about here. Uh, But still somebody you're going to have to think about, not only now, but moving forward. All right, so other news. Just got the announcement minutes before the show this morning. Packers linebacker J. Roan Elliott is the team's nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Uh, All 32 teams nominate a player. Uh, you'll remember in seasons past here, you know, I, Sam Barrington was the guy last year who got a lot of recognition for that. Before that, uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, was the nominee, and he had, you know, all become a finalist for the award uh, that's actually given away uh, the, the night before the Super Bowl on the NFL Honors television special. Uh, so we'll see if if Elliot is able to crack that prestigious group. Uh, I'm not sure he will. If in terms of you know he's he's still relatively young in his career, and a lot of guys that you know do win the award, they've been around a long time and have you know done a lot of good charitable work. Um, but but congratulations regardless to J. Ron Elliot, who's been a nice uh, little addition to the Packers and in, in in the community and doing some good things. So at least happy that he's got the nomination and his name's getting out there, and, and that's good for him. And in one other relatively minor note here, the Green Bay Press-Gazette reported on Tuesday that the Green Bay Packers have joined the Wisconsin LGBT Chamber of Commerce on Tuesday. And while the impact of that might be relatively minor in the grand scheme of things, kudos to the Green Bay Packers for being an inclusive organization. Um, that's about all I have to say about that. Uh, just that that's a good thing. Nothing but good there. Certainly no bad. And uh, um, good for them. Um, and that kind of brings us to the next segment. The day ahead. All right, so the Green Bay Packers return to the practice field for the first time this week on Wednesday, and they'll also turn in their first injury report report of the week uh, Wednesday afternoon sometime. And the position to watch this week is outside linebacker. There's three players worth watching two of whom we've already alluded to earlier on the show. One is Clay Matthews, who's dealing with the shoulder injury, and a lot of people have argued that he shouldn't have even have been playing against the Texans. And, you know, maybe if it wasn't for Jake Ryan and Blake Martinez's injury, he wouldn't have been. 
Uh, but it kind of looks like he definitely doesn't want to take on a whole lot of contact with that shoulder. Um, but maybe by now, but or at least by the time this next Sunday rolls around, uh, Clay Matthews will be healthier and more able to take a blow uh, uh, on that shoulder and is able to be more physical out there because it certainly didn't look like he was this past week. Um, so there's that. Another is Nick Perry, who's had to deal with that club cast. Uh, I still haven't really heard whether he's broken anything or not. And, and pardon me if, if that's been reported and I just haven't seen it. All I've seen is a hand injury. I don't know if there's broken bones there. I certainly would like to see him out there uninhibited, considering how important he's been to the back. I was just you know, almost dumbfounded when, when Nathan Yankee is, you know, throwing out these names like Von Miller and Nick Perry has been an even better force against the run, uh, than, than a guy like Von Miller this year, maybe not by a significant margin, but you know, really goes to show the impact he's made this year, especially in the run and, and certainly not bad against the pass by any means, but then his biggest, you know, contributions against the pass of his entire career, as a pass rusher. Uh, so that's been really good to see. He's he, he might get the award for defensive MVP this year, still a month to go in the season, still a quarter of the season to go, but he's in the running and it, it certainly would help if he's uninhibited in terms of that hand. So that's worth watching to see what he's got to deal with, whether it'll be on in practice or not, or he's even out there. And then the final injury to look for is, is to rookie Kyler Fackrell, who's now missed two straight games with a hamstring injury. Um, Got to wonder when he's going to return, if he's going to be able to return. You know, as a backup, they, you know, the, it hasn't been a big storyline in the media about him. But, you know, he's he was a, a contributor, at least, early in the year, both on defense and on special teams, where his contributions are felt, too. Uh, so they could use him back. We'll see if he's making any progress. So definitely the outside linebacker situation is the one to watch this week as, you know, inside too. With We, we want to see Blake Martinez back as a starter in the lineup. But uh, I, I think outside linebacker definitely notable for sure. Um, Mike McCarthy holds his Wednesday press conference at 1.30 p.m. Central Time, which will stream live at Packers.com. We'll see if he, you know, talks about any of these injuries at all. Um, and, and then, you know, I'm not sure when this is going to happen. I'm not sure if this is going to happen in the day ahead or the days ahead. Uh, the Packers, you know, can make a roster move here with Mike Pinnell being suspended. So, They'll be able to move him to the suspended list, and that'll allow them to sign somebody to the 53-man roster. Who exactly that is at this point, not sure. Uh, I don't think it necessarily has to be a defensive lineman because I think they have enough depth there. Uh, but we'll see who they promote. Uh, you know, and maybe they wait it out here uh, because it's you know they don't have to make a move until Sunday. They really don't have to make a move at all. Uh, if they don't want to, we've seen, we saw them do that with McIntyre Dorley on tier, uh, just, just finally, you know, promoting him before this last week's game. Uh, but they went a few weeks before even placing Dimitri Goodson on injured reserve. So sometimes the Packers wait, but anyway, that's, that's coming down the pike 
at some point, whether it happens today, tomorrow, the next 24 hours, or uh, <laughs> at some point in the future. We'll see. And uh, finally, if we're talking talk show circuit here, Devon, wide receiver Devontae Adams is the guest this evening on Green Bay Nation, debuting on its flagship station, WFRB-TV, in Green Bay at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday night. I saw that Adams was the the guest uh, promoted on social media by the show uh, earlier. So that's what's happening on a Wednesday in the world of the Green Bay Packers. And that pretty much does it for today's episode of Railbird Central. My call to action, reminding you once again, and I'm going to get out on social media a little bit on this, inviting you to join us this upcoming Sunday, December 11th, for a watch party at the Krogville Oasis. It is located on County Road O. The mailing address is technically Waterloo, Wisconsin, although it's not within city limits. Uh, It's on County Road O, but anyway, it's a dive bar. It's the best kind of dive bar. Uh, Listeners of Railbird Central are going to be out there and have a good time watching the game. Don't worry, there's no cover charge. We're just inviting you out there to have a good time and watch the game with other Packers fans. Uh, So we're going to try to pack the Krogue for this one. Definitely, if you're not doing anything on Sunday, take a nice Sunday drive out to Krogville, Wisconsin. Uh, It's going to be a fun time. We're going to cheer on the pack, hopefully beating the Seahawks. Game time, kickoff, 3.25 p.m. Central Time. I'm going to be there. I hope you're going to be there. Join me. We'll raise a few beers, and um, uh, it's it's a good time. So uh, we'll see you there. Uh, and, and that does it for today's show. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us today. Thank you to Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com for being our guest. Uh, coming up on Friday, we will have our monthly discussion with Scott McKenna of the Talk and Smack blog. He's going to join us here as he typically does the second Tuesday of or second second Friday of every month. Pardon me, and we'll talk to him on Friday as the show airs typically every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at eight thirty a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show podcasted and on demand later in the day and that'll do it folks we'll see ya have a good wednesday we'll talk to you in just a few more days on behalf of everybody at cheesehead tv i'm brian caribou i leave you today folks with a song called barker by keller williams on sci fidelity records see everyone go pack go